Good morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley on this unofficial national holiday called Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> um, I, I know there's a wide spectrum of interest in the game. Some people are excited to see how the teams fare. They've got a favorite team. They're pumped. How's this going to turn out? Others are thinking, as soon as the game starts, I'm going to the mall because there are very few people there. And so I can make some headway in shopping. So I don't know where you're at. Uh, but today we begin, uh, actually, our, our membership renewal process. We're doing it a little different this year, but we're renewing our commitment to the Church of the Valley team. And we're taking three Sundays and giving opportunity for those who are members to renew their membership. And uh, you can see the card. Just to let you know, I filled mine out. It's sitting there. I'm going to put it in the offering when the ushers bring it by, so I'm still in. And we like to do this every, every year. We like to take the opportunity just to give folks a chance to say, I want to be a part of the team this next year as well. And so we have a card in your program that talks about um, what you're committing to. Uh, on the back, there's the membership covenant, just a reminder of what we've covenanted to do uh, as a congregation. And then on the front of the card, uh, we'd like for one card to be turned in per individual. And you can say, yes, uh, I want to renew my membership, or no, I, I'm not ready to re remove it. Uh, I'm moving, or your reason why. If you'd like to talk to a staff member, um, we'd, we'd really love to talk through some things with you if you do have some questions about moving ahead. And then um, there's an opportunity, if you're not currently a member of Church in the Valley, uh, to ask for information to be sent to you about how to walk through the membership process. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. Uh, membership... In Church of Valleys, for those who've decided uh, to follow Christ as Lord, who have made a commitment to use the Bible as their guide for living, and who want to become a part of the Church and Valley team as we set out to accomplish God's purpose for us in this area. So membership is a very important thing. Uh, it's, it's a way uh, that we know who's on the roster, who can be counted in when we need to get some things done. And so, if you're not a member, uh, please check this card out and look it over. And if you'd like some more information about how to join, let us know. There's a place on the back of the connection card uh, to do that. Today, we're wrapping up uh, a series we've called Catalysts. And a catalyst is, is, is in, in chemistry, which I, I really get concerned when I talk about chemistry in front of a large group of people. Uh, but it's, it's something that you introduce that speeds change to whatever it is you introduce. Like for me, okay, I'm a surfer. I was a surfer. I'm getting too old. But, you know, when I repaired a board, I took the resin, I, I put it in the spot where I, the ding needed to be repaired, I introduced the catalyst, it quickly hardened the resin so that then I could sand it and make it look better. That's what a catalyst does. It speeds change or growth in whatever it's introduced into. And God uses, he has this pattern of using these five things that we've been talking about in this series. Uh, practical teaching is one. Here are the five faith catalysts. There, there are others, but these are the general categories. 
Practical teaching aimed at living it out. That's something God uses. Private disciplines that focus on getting to know God and His will, getting to know Him personally. As you get into the Scripture, as you pray, you interact with God. You have a conversation with God, and you, He strengthens you, fortifies you through that. Providential relationships. Often God brings people into your life, and He connects you to them, and He uses them, those relationships, and the people they introduce you to, uh, to grow our faith, to grow your faith, to uh, put you in a place where you can choose to build those relationships and continue to grow your faith. Personal ministry is another faith catalyst. As we stretch to serve and give and try to figure out how to share who Christ is with other people, we grow as well. And then today we're looking at the last one, pivotal circumstances. Now this is, a, this is really good news, that God uses circumstances, good, bad, wanted, unwanted, to grow us, to change us. And something I've learned as I have lived my life, I've learned to expect something to show up whenever I set my mind to do anything that's important. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Trouble. It's going to erupt. It's going to show up. Trouble of some kind is going to arrive as I set out to do what's important in life. Whenever, whenever I do, important things like having a good marriage. Trouble's going to be between you and having a good marriage. It's going to show up when you set yourself to raise kids and let God use you as a parent to help them develop the right kind of character and skill for living life. It, there's going to be adversity that you're going to have to push through as, as you deal with that. When you get into dating to find God's will and who you, who you should marry, is this the one? Or should I move on? There's, there's, it's, that is action-packed emotionally. And there's all kinds of trouble as you work through that. Relating to God. In the right, just trying to learn to relate to God. There's opposition to that that we have to deal with. Um, leading others to serve God and grow in Him. It seems like these things, you know, you should just sort of float along, be able to, that's not the way it works. You have to push through circumstances that are coming against you to keep you from doing the important stuff. Uh, going to work every day, managing personal finances, attending church on Sunday. It's some very high percentage of people who have uh, trouble relationally on the way to church in the morning. Um, e- even though I know this is the case, I know this is the way it works, I'm often surprised that this particular kind of trouble has erupted or whatever it is. And over time, I've learned to appreciate what God does through those circumstances as I learn to cooperate with Him. Now, my attitude toward that circumstance that I'm dealing with, my attitude has a major impact on the outcome that I experience in the midst of trouble and on the other side of trouble. Major My attitude is crucial. God wants us to choose a specific, a particular, certain attitude toward our faith, or toward our trouble, which is faith, that allows Him to work through the trouble to bring maturity in us on the other side, to grow our faith and to bring maturity. Faith is an attitude that 
uh, God really blesses. It's an angle of approach to the flow of life where I set my mind and heart to trust God, rely on Him and His ways in the middle of it, and I do what He says. That, that's, that's all wrapped up in the idea of faith. I do what he says, and I trust him with the outcome. That's what it means to trust God. I'd like you to listen to this quote from Charles Swindoll. He's a pastor, a fairly prominent pastor in the country, understands Scripture, and this is what he says about attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. That, that little quote right there reflects Scripture. And we're going to look into that in, in a little bit. Uh, because today we're talking about choosing an attitude that Scripture tells us to take toward our circumstances that allows God to make the most of them for our growth. Before we get to that, I'd like to uh, bring Matt Sprankle back up. He's our host for the day, so he's going to be up here a lot. We realize that uh, as we're moving toward this Sunday morning. Um, Matt is our service team's director. He welcomed us this morning, and I'd like you to hear some things God gave Matt, Matt, hi. Hi there. Hi again. Um, God gave Matt an opportunity to, to launch a business, and it's a business with a really good purpose, very helpful to people. Uh, it's called PrayBuzz.com. You can see the, the uh, homepage of the website there, and what it is is it's a way, it's a social uh, networking site for prayer, so you can have friends that you share your prayer requests with, and you can... Uh, when you're on there and you let your friends know about a prayer request, uh, you get a buzz, an, a notice when a they pray, pray for you. A pray buzz. Okay, it's not a pray buzz like you get high or anything. It's, it's, a, it's a buzz. Depends. Depends on the person. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, but it's, it notifies you. It's very, very encouraging to, to get the notification that someone has prayed for you when you're really dealing with a circumstance, you can very quickly let folks know what's going on anyway. Enough that's, I didn't intend that commercial to come out, but this has been very helpful to me. Uh, and anyway, Matt, this is, this is a business that Matt, you know, he had the idea and seemed like a great idea. And he's been working toward uh, bringing that uh, into fruition. Now it actually exists and he's considering now what God wants him to do with the company from here forward. But uh, I wanted you to hear from Matt as he dealt with this opportunity that created a set of circumstances where he was trying to do something that he had on his heart to do and how God's been working through those circumstances. But Matt, could you describe uh, your business that you've created? I think I just described it. 
Um, where the idea came from, why? Where did the idea come from, and why? Why did it come to you? Sure. Um, so three about three years ago, I'm a teacher. Uh, that's what I do. That's how I make my money. I, I work at Claremont High School, and I've never started a business or anything, or been much entrepreneurial in my life. But three years ago, my uh, my truck, I have a '97 Chevy Blazer, broke for like the 50th time. And uh, uh, my wife and I, we have a couple kids. She stays home. It was tight financially. And I'm uh, trying to figure out where the money's going to come from. And God provided for us. And I was driving to um, work in the morning. In the mornings, I, I spent some time reading the Bible. And I was just telling God, I don't like this. I don't like you know, my car breaking and not knowing where the money's going to come from. You know, I'd love to have a, a car that worked. So I started thinking, well, maybe I need to get another job. You know, and I can buy a minivan. Or something like that. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I could create a, create a business. I had a buddy named Lucas who created a business, and uh, he sold it for like 80 grand like a year later. And I was like, well, how you did buy you... buy a van with that. Yeah, you can buy, you can buy a buy couple a vans with van. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I talked to him and asked him questions about how he starts a business. And so then that idea was kind of rolling around in my head. And in the morning, sometimes I'll, I'll try to uh, memorize scripture, and I have a, a box, and it's really big and clunkety. And I was thinking, it'd be great if there was an app. And so I started thinking through, like, I looked online, there was no apps, and I thought, well, what if I made some sort of app for, for that? And then I realized nobody would buy that. So I started thinking through, like, what are some other apps that I could create that would help people in their spiritual life? And I thought about prayer. And this was before, this was right about the time Facebook was getting big, and I thought, well, what if you just took social stuff and basically applied it to prayer? I thought, that'd be a great idea. You know, I think it's a great idea. So I, uh, I shared it with my wife, and she was encouraging. And, and then I went on my computer, and I tried to kind of create a model. And I shared it with a couple of people, and they thought it was a good idea. I still didn't really you know, believe it. But then I took the idea to some pretty, pretty smart guys who were pretty successful at business and shared it with them, and they got really excited. And so then I thought, well, maybe this is you know, maybe something I could do. So um, I went back home, and I, I, I spoke with... Uh, uh, a guy who knew a lot about computers and technology and asked him what it would cost. I put together uh, $5,000 and uh, worked with Brad Rosman and Ian Dale. He's a guy who did all the artwork, and we created a, a short three-minute video uh, that kind of gives you a vision for what it would do. And we, we shared that with a lot of people, and they liked it. Um, and then after that, it was, okay, so if we're really going to do this, you know, we've got to start a company. How do you do that? Figured that out. Um, then we, uh, I got a partner who came on board, and he ran all the technology side of it, and I drew my little pictures. And um, when you say it this way, it doesn't sound as exciting, you know? It's, it's very, like, cumbersome. But eventually, we, we, we found somebody who really believed in it. He invested heavily, and so we were able to create the application. Um, we needed uh, really high-level programmers, and I'm a teacher. I don't know anybody. Just at the right time, somebody came along who was really good, and he needed work, and Eventually, we put together a team of four people. One of them was working in Ecuador, some of them working in Walnut, and we would meet over the course of two years, and we built it. Um, I met a guy who's a nationally syndicated radio talk show host one night, and one thing led to another, and he, he found out I was doing this, and about four, five, six, seven months ago, he put me on his radio show and interviewed me with two other business people, and I got to you know share Pray Buzz around the country, and so just step by step, God has provided, and then most recently, we're, we're trying to figure out, we have somebody who's uh, interested in buying it, and so we've got to figure out if we want to do that, or we're, we have a whole new set of questions to answer, but that's the story. So there you go. That's a circumstance. That's yeah. an opportunity, and it creates a lot of circumstances. Yes, <laughs> um, how has God provided for you, just to get things going, just real quickly, what are some things? The idea, um, 
you know, the idea, I think that uh, good ideas come from God. Uh, my wife, God provided me a, a wonderful woman who joy really encourages me, and she, she's really been uh, supportive the whole way. Um, and she's very, uh, she's very smart and content, and it's just been uh, a support, which is a big deal when you're constantly thinking, am I crazy? Is this going to fail? Should I stop? Because you're kind of on your own. And then the money to, to, to initial five grand, um, the friends and wise counsel. I got a lot of advice a whole way through. Some really smart people gave me a lot of great advice. Uh, we got a team of really high-level people that I didn't know, and they were just were there. Like, we needed somebody on Thursday. We found them on Monday, and it was, it was really God's provision. Then the investment, to actually have somebody willing to pour money into it, Hugh Hewitt. I mean, pretty much every time we needed something, I'd be in my car driving home from Claremont, and I'd be like, I don't really know what to do, God. I'm, it's like we need this. And then, like, my phone would ring. It, it, it really was like that. It happened like three or four times in three months, and it was almost unbelievable. It didn't happen every single time like that, but it did happen like that, like in a way that was amazing. So God was really providing in big ways. So what have been some of the big hurdles, the, the circumstances uh, and the challenges that you faced in moving forward on this goal? Well, the biggest ones are me. I mean, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So... <laughs> I mean, I've never started this or built something or had a team like this or been responsible for resources. And, you know, I'm working my job, and then I, I'm, I'm involved in ministry here, and I have my, my family. And so, you know, what do you do when you realize that you just made a huge mistake that cost you, like, thousands of dollars? And, you know, that happened a couple times. And so I just had to kind of wrestle through that. You had to trust your I – I learned to trust my team more. Or, you know, how do I handle the stress when I'm, I'm – I have 168 hours a week like everybody else – and I have four major areas in my life. And how do I, what do I do? Like, everything needs my time. W- what do I do? I was constantly in that situation. It was, it was pretty stressful. I mean, I did it to myself, but it was really stressful. That was a hurdle. Um, so those are some things. So um, how has God grown your faith and your endurance or steadfastness through this experience? Um, the first thing is, is just courage to kind of get out of the boat because one of the things that I realized was like I couldn't look to my left or my right at my friend and be like, are we in the right spot? There was nobody in front of me leading me. There was no boss on top of me. It was kind of me. And so that meant I had to make the decisions, and that's really scary. And what you want to do is you want to like not act. You want to get somebody else to tell you it's okay. And so what ends up happening is, is I had to keep going back to God, and he kept dealing with my heart. And he, he basically kept telling me through, through my time spending in the Bible and prayer that I need to focus on doing my very best. That's the best I can do. Ask him for what I need. Look at the facts. Make the decision. And keep moving forward. And so that's scary. But to keep moving forward, I think he was trying to make me a little bit braver than I was. Um, patience. Uh, I have to wait a lot. Um, you have to wait on people. You have, things don't happen quickly. Um, when, you're, when you're trying to build something from nothing... Uh, it doesn't ever move as fast as you hoped it would. And so you just have to be patient and, and kind of wait. And you also have to be patient to see what happens when you make a decision. So if I decide we're going we're gonna, to uh, release this feature and see if people like it, you have to give some time to see how it goes. And so I want to just move, you know, and you have to be patient. And then finally, perspective. Um, I'm not as great as I think I am. You really learn how weak you are and how inexperienced you are. And really you're where you're, you're not strong when you try this. It's a great mirror. And there were a couple 
big decisions I messed up. There were times when I, I treated people badly out of frustration. And you really realize, like, a lot about yourself. And um, that's good because I, you know, I, 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 want to, I want to love people. You know, I really do. And so God used that as a mirror. And so I, I appreciate that. Great. Thanks for sharing with us, yeah. Matt. I really appreciate that. Matt. <clears throat> Matt is in the middle of that story. He is not yet a mega millionaire uh, because of this. <laughs> he hasn't even bought a minivan from what I know. Um, so we, we, don't, we don't know what God has in mind for this. This is the way it goes. You have opportunities. You face circumstances. You're, you're, you're not quite sure how it's going to turn out. But one thing you can be sure of, God is going to use that circumstance if you allow him to in faith to grow you to change you to make you more like himself if you get in line with his ways if you walk through it the way he wants you to and i've been telling matt you know i don't know how this is going to turn out bro but i think it's at least an mba (laughs) what you've done and what you've gone through and how much god has taught you through this fantastic stuff that's how it is god got as we learn to follow god his way he takes it all, all of the things we're walking through in life, and makes the most of it in us. And that's this last catalyst, the pivotal circumstances. There are circumstances that we face that God allows or brings into our life, and he wants to use those to change, it, to change us. Some of, some of what God uses are good circumstances, a new baby, a new job, a promotion at work, getting married starting a new school, a new dating relationship. Many of the circumstances God uses in our life are not so great. Uh, In fact, they're painful. They're unwanted. We'd like to trade them in, our circumstances sometimes. And, And this is where the struggle lies. So what I'd like to do in the remainder of the message is walk through a passage that tells us how to choose the right attitude toward these things, and how to, how to respond so that God can really make the most of the, the pivotal circumstance that we're in, whatever it is, or circumstances, whatever they are. You may be at a pivotal point today, and you're facing tough circumstances. You, you, you know what God wants to change through them, and you just need to know, how do I allow God to make the most of it? One thing for sure Trouble is a test of faith that can have tremendous value. It it can really make a a difference. James, the half-brother of Jesus, led the church in Jerusalem up until his martyrdom, close to 30 uh, 30 years after the death of Christ and his resurrection. Uh, And he wrote this letter geared toward Jewish Christians uh, who were living scattered outside of uh, Palestine, outside of that area. And this is what he says. He introduces himself first in the letter, Then he greets the church and he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now James lays out here the, the right perspective, the right angle of approach to trials, to trouble, to circumstances that we don't want. And, um, It's not a common approach that we find today. Most of us don't throw a party 
when something doesn't go the way we want it to. (laughs) When we face circumstances we don't want, we're not throwing a party. But James gives this advice. This is what he says. This is the principle. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. When they show up, count it joy. Now that word is is an interesting word. The word count. It comes from a root word meaning to lead. So what he's saying here is, that we need to assess the circumstances, exactly what's going on, and we need to direct our mind to the right things so that God can use this circumstance for our, for our good. And he says to direct it, count it all joy. Learn to appreciate, in other words, what God can do through these circumstances and surrender yourself to him so that he can do it. And let him work. Direct our mind to the joy that God brings through these things. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, this isn't a word we use every day, steadfast. I'm, being, I'm going to be steadfast today. But I think we get the idea. It literally means patient endurance to hang in there when you're facing adversity, when you're going through trouble, to remain under the pressure that the circumstances are bringing. That's that's the core thought here. To remain under the pressure, because what do we want to do? We want to squirm out from under the pressure any way we can. We're we're thinking, what strategy can I... Okay, I can just bail. I could just... And let this stuff drop. I, I can... Whatever it is, we come up with a way, and we tend to have natural strategies for getting out from under the pressure, or getting out of the pressure cooker as quickly as possible. Uh, We deal with this when we're building a a strong, when we're aiming to build a strong family, when we're trying to grow a business, when we're trying to build a a ministry, or have a ministry, or do ministry with other folks, when we're trying to develop healthy friendships, Um, on and on and on, anything important. Pressure comes, and the temptation is to bail out to get out from under the pressure. But this quality of steadfastness means that you remain under it, the weight of the circumstances that are going on in the right way before God. James teaches this catalyst comes to test our faith, to grow our faith, and eventually God produces produces this steadfastness of high value. Now, what's the value of that steadfastness? When it has its full effect, it says in verse 4, will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that, that's the value. It's steadfast. If you stay under the pressure of the circumstances and remain faithful to do what you need to do in bearing the weight of them, God grows you through it. He helps you be, we won't be perfect, but he's maturing you. This is not a, an event where we arrive, but... He's using these things to mature us, to make us more like himself. And staying under the pressure allows two things to happen. First of all, we see things through to the end. And we, we taste the fruit of our labor. Secondly, God grows our character through the process. We taste the fruit of what God does in us through this, the change that he brings about as he helps us to grow to be more loving, kind, patient, good, faithful, exercise self-control. 
God works these things in, in us. Something to really understand about this, it's, it's important to choose the right attitude toward these things because wrong responses dull the effect of trouble. And it, if we choose a wrong response, then God's not quite able to do what He wants to do through it. Some wrong responses are anger. You know, anger happens when you face circumstances. It's, it's sort of a neutral thing actually, in Scripture as you look at it. It's, it's a burst of energy. Now, what you do with that burst of energy is very, very important because if you give full vent to it and you blow up in anger and you let people around you know exactly what you're upset with and why they shouldn't have done that, Scripture says that doesn't accomplish God's purpose. That's not the way to do it. So one of our wrong responses is to blow up in anger and then God can't do what he wants through the circumstance. Another one is asking why for more than just understanding. It's important when circumstances happen to to consider why did this happen? Was it some pattern in my life? Was it something uh, that I I should have paid attention to? Was there is there some kind of dot I connect? Is What's the source of this trouble here? It's important to understand that, but we can keep asking why, 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 and it's sort of a complaint. That, that dulls the effect of trouble if we don't let it go and accept what's going on from the hand of God and allow Him to, to, to work through it. We can also resent the trouble of the person who caused it. We can get better at God, and that dulls the effect of the trouble. The promise in verse 4 for those who walk in faith is that God will make trouble worthwhile. And He has in my life over and over and over again. And it's, it's such a help on the front side of dealing with unwanted circumstances to know that there's I would never vote for those circumstances that I don't want. I mean, that's sadist, that's weird. But when they come, there's this twinge of joy. There's a sense of joy that God's going to use even this for my good. Very, very important attitude to choose toward our trouble. Uh, when we're dealing with trouble, we can, we can head to the wrong thoughts, but if we go to God, if we pivot and move toward God, He brings the full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So He grows us through this. This, these, this is the way God works. This is a catalyst that God uses in our life. God grows our faith as we look to Him in the midst of pivotal circumstances. I want to walk through this fairly quickly. Uh, James 1, 5-8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now let's just quickly walk through what our response should be in the midst of the circumstances. When we're under the weight of them, we're remaining under them, we're, we're going to be faithful to handle our role in the circumstances that we're in. What is our response? What is our role? Our role under pressure, first of all, ask God for help. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Turn to him. Ask him 
It, you find it in a scripture. If you don't know what the scripture says about a circumstance you're going through, talk to other folks in, in church life. Get some help from them. But ask him for help and then expect him to give it. Have faith that he will provide it. Let him ask in faith and no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. When I choose faith in troubling times, I'm acknowledging that God is not going to let me be destroyed by this. And he's going to use it for my good. And the analogy of the wave here shows the person who doesn't put their confidence in God. The circumstances themselves are determining their happiness, and so they're thrown from here and there. And I don't know if you've ever been in the waves uh, where you're, you know, you're getting thrown around. I have. It's, it's an interesting experience. <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting tossed all over the place. One day you're up, one day you're down. One day you're over here, one day you're over there. The circumstances, because you're not locked on to God in faith, and expecting him to use whatever's going on for your good, you're all over the place. This is why we must also choose to obey. That person uh, who doesn't ask in faith should not suppose that they will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Faith is something we choose versus second-guessing God or complaining. Instead, we take a faith approach to our trouble, and God works. God's role as we turn to him in trust, he provides generously. If you really seek after God and his will, intending to do what he shows you to do, intending to obey what you understand from his scripture, he will provide. And the wisdom he gives is insight for handling whatever it is you're dealing with. He adds stability through the guidance. As you follow God's guidance over time, you're, you yourself, from the inside out, are going to be experiencing a much more stable existence. He adds stability as we trust his guidance. A lot can be learned from the description of the one who doubts. One who doubts is a picture of a chaotic life with no clear direction on where to put their confidence in. Double-minded person is looking at the circumstances, asking God, but at the same time looking for other advice and current opinion that sort of sways the response. That's what it means to be double-minded. It actually means to be two-souled. To S-O-U-L, two-souled. It means that you're, you know, you're, you're willing to trust God with half and you're looking for another answer somewhere else. God, that, that will throw you into, you might as well step into a washing machine at that point and just, you know, you're in the spin cycle. And it's rough. It really is. So our role is to believe God that he will come through, and he does over and over and over again. When you do, on the front side of trouble, you begin to choose joy. You're able to count it joy because of what God's going to do through it. In this series, we've been looking at ways that God grows our faith, the catalyst that he uses. I'd like to walk back through those catalysts. There's a, a, in your program, there's a half-sheet handout that shows uh, some habits that you can choose that match up and allow you to make the most of the five catalysts. Um, God's going to consistently use these five things to grow your faith. Here are some matching habits that you can choose 
to cooperate with God's work in you as you, as you move forward. First catalyst, as I said before, was practical teaching. Uh, a habit is to attend Church in the Valley when I'm in town and ask God to speak to me through the teaching on Sundays. That's a habit you can develop. Uh, next catalyst, private disciplines. Read my Bible and pray on a regular basis is a habit. Give a regular offering in a God-honoring way at Church in the Valley. As you give, as you, it, it, giving is interesting because it's something you do uh, in, in honor of God and it tends to, when you let go of your money, it stretches your faith to see what God's going to do in response. He's promised to really bless you. Not always, you know, financially, but he's promised to really give you blessings in return. And that's a discipline that we choose. Personal ministry is another catalyst. Actively pray for and invite friends and others to Church of the Valley. Something you could do. It's a habit you could develop. Uh, and then another habit is serve in the ministry of Church in the Valley where I'm needed. Next catalyst is providential relationships. Actively participate in a Church in the Valley group during the week. Every one of us, it's providential that we've all ended up here. In this room, at this, in, on this day, God, God's put this group together. And there are different ways that you've connected uh, with different people and become a part or at least attended here. The way that you can make the most of that is to intentionally get around folks who can encourage you in the faith. And that's, that's in, in groups, one of the groups that we're going to have coming up. And then a final thing, uh, catalyst that God uses, we talked about today, pivotal circumstances. In the midst of the circumstance, if you want to make the most of it, I obey, I do the next right thing, what is my next step? That's how you make the most. Those are the habits that we can develop, and they help us to make the most of these catalysts that God's introducing into our life intentionally to grow us, to test our faith, to grow our faith, to make us different people than we were before. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your word that gives us perspective at a very high level of what is actually going on in our lives. And I praise you, God, for the help you give. And I, I pray that as you've spoken to us this, this morning, uh, that we would have the ability to take the next step, to do the next right thing, to, do, to obey you as you've laid on our heart uh, what it is you want us to do. We honor you and praise you, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.